Welcome back to Over Here. My name's Nick Binzer, and today we're featuring the music of the All Angles Orchestra. And today we're having a conversation with one of that ensemble's leaders, Mr. Mike Conrad. Mike is a doctoral student out at University of Northern Colorado in Greeley, Colorado, but we met uh, during my time in Rochester, New York at the Eastman School of Music. Mike has a lot to share about his influences from the Michael Brecker Quindectet uh, to a lot of advice that he learned from some of his mentors at various uh, institutions that he's taught at and real-life experiences t- from teaching high school music and uh, teaching college music and kind of his thoughts for the future, what it looks like to lead a big band in 2017, and more. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation. If you haven't yet checked out the All Angles Orchestra, their music is out Friday, June 23rd. It'll be available everywhere that you like to buy music online, specifically if you can go to iTunes or Apple Music, download their album. That would be the most helpful to them and to outside in music and to this podcast. Without further ado, I want to get right to this conversation. And so please enjoy Mike Conrad of the All Angles Orchestra. All right, so today we have a fantastic composer and trombonist and musician. His name is Mike Conrad. Hey, Mike, thanks for being here today. Hey, Nick, thank you. And he has a new album coming out in just a few weeks uh, on an Outside of music, it's called New Angle. It's by his group, the All Angles Orchestra. Is that right? That's right. And uh, so, Mike, why don't you just take a few minutes to introduce yourself, you know, who you are, where you're from, and what you're up to. Yeah, I'm Mike Conrad. Uh, I grew up in Iowa, and uh, I'm out in Colorado right now, really to be exact. Um wrapping up a doctorate in jazz studies. And uh, I like to write music, arrange music, um, play some trombone and piano, and uh, love to improvise and, and be a part of any creative improvised music in any way, really. Um, I've gotten more and more into writing in the last five years. I'm still doing a bit of playing, but I guess my my focus has, has kind of shifted to to the point where I consider myself primarily a composer uh, right now, I guess. Oh, yeah? That's cool. Didn't know that. Yeah. So where in Iowa did you grow up exactly? I grew up in the Quad Cities, uh, Benton North, Iowa. So the, the Quad Cities, um, two cities in Iowa and two in Illinois, right on the Mississippi River. And uh, I was born in the Chicago area, all my family, like my extended family um, from around there, but we moved to Iowa when I was fairly young. Um, so I, yeah, I grew up there in Bettendorf. Um, my parents are still there, and my older sister is still there in Bettendorf. She teaches French at the high school, and the rest of my brothers and sisters are a little bit spread out, but mostly in the Midwest. Um, I'm one of five kids, so it was a fun kind of big family experience growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I went to University of Northern Iowa, so I stayed in state for my my undergraduate degree, and learned a ton from Bob Washett and Chris Mertz there. Um, and that's where the jazz composition stuff really started to take off for me because um, both of those guys were just super encouraging, and um, 
it's like anything that, that you write is going to get played there, um, which is very cool and, and not always the case. Um, right, yeah, that's program. cool. So um, let's, let's back up slightly. So how did you get involved with music in the first place? Was it running your family or in the area or? Yeah, not, not so much in the family. Um, either of my parents are musicians um, and none of my extended family really is involved heavily in music. Um, but uh, all of us took piano lessons. Well, four out of the five of us, I guess, took piano lessons um, growing up. So I guess my first sort of exposure to it was like watching my sister play the piano. She was a few years older than me. Um, and knowing that I, I kind of wanted to do that too. Um, so I started piano lessons. I guess a few years before like the school band program started, that's when I started playing trombone in fifth grade. Um, and I just sort of, um, I guess because of the area where I grew up, there's a little bit of a, a jazz, like a traditional jazz scene there because Davenport's the first place of Dick Spiderbeck. So they have this festival every summer and uh, this like Dick Spiderbeck youth memorial jazz band thing I became involved in. So there were some opportunities in the community that kind of got me going on jazz too, but it was it was mostly sort of a self-taught endeavor, I guess. Um, just check out CDs from the public library uh, and listen to them in the basement and try to learn songs and, and learn how to play like that, I guess. Um, I eventually found some teachers down the road. Can you still remember like what were some of the first couple things that you started to check out and just deciding that you really wanted to get serious about it or at least like really interested in about it? Yeah, definitely. Um, Duke Ellington was, was a really big one. And this was just kind of like names I had heard, you know, that, that's what I, when I would go to the library to get CDs, it would just be like, oh yeah, I remember somebody saying something about this person once so I grabbed one of those, you know. Um, but yeah, one of the the first ones that really got me going was, was Duke Ellington. It was just like like a compilation CD of different things. You know, um, there was some really old stuff, um, but on that CD was that uh, live at Newport 56 uh, recording of Diminuendo and Crescendo in Blue. Uh, and that really spoke to me just on like an energy level. Um, and I was like obsessed with that recording for a long time. Um, Duke Ellington, I guess, led me to some other things, too. As far as trombone goes, J.J. Johnson was the first one. And, again, it was just, like, a name I, I had heard. Like, oh, you play the trombone and you're getting into jazz? Like, you should check out J.J. Johnson, you know? So I did. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so those were those were two early ones that definitely got me going. Nice. And so, I mean, uh, so you went to the University of Northern Iowa. And so was that... What was the consideration about going there? Where you kind of, I know, I feel like I know several trombone players that ended up coming out of there, but um, what kind of led you to decide to go there? Yeah, it was like if if I was going to stay in state, like that was the place to go, you know, for mm -hmm. um, a great jazz program and it's one of those programs that's been around for a while and has a good, good history. Um, Bob Wash has been there like seems like almost 40 years now, maybe. Um, what led me there was not necessarily uh, the trombone situation, because actually 
Um, prior to starting there, they had had a different trombone professor, um, like one, a different one each year for like four years in a row or so. So I didn't really know who I was going to be studying with on trombone, and that was a little bit of a gamble. So it was mostly like for the, the jazz program um, and the in-state tuition that that ended up leading me there. Um, and it turned out to be really great on the trombone end of things, too, because when I started my freshman year, Chris Buckholtz was just starting, and he ended up sticking around there for a while. Uh, so I got to work with him a lot. Really great trombone player on the classical and jazz end of things. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so you mentioned that, you know, when you were there, you started to start writing. So who, other than Ellington, kind of when you started delving into that whole world, what were some of your early influences? Yeah, as, as far as jazz composition goes? Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of, uh, like, the stuff we were playing in the big band. At the, you know, that was like, I didn't have a high school jazz band experience that, um, gave me exposure to, like, a lot of the, the great jazz composers, I guess. Um, so, like, things we would play in the big band there would start to I'd be like, oh, man, I need to check out more by, by this composer or this arranger. Um, but a big one was, I think it was my sophomore year, uh, Maria Schneider came to the university and did, like, a week-long residency. Um, so I was we were playing a bunch of her music, and... You know, I was listening to like all the stuff that she had out at that time and getting to meet her and, and work with her a little bit that week was, was really inspiring too. I just found her to be a really awesome person, um, and loved her music and, and it was challenging and fun and beautiful. So that was a big one for me. And I remember like one of the, I think it was like the first big band chart basically that I wrote. Um, that I felt comfortable like having it played um, was for this little session that she was she was kind of like listening to these charts and giving comments and stuff like that um, and she was really encouraging and that was that was super helpful for me I think as I was just like starting to develop. Do you remember anything that she said to you that kind of like stuck with you after hearing that one that chart you're describing? Uh, I remember it was just kind of funny after, because uh, she didn't know whose chart was whose. We'd just play them, and she'd be like, who wrote that? And then she would talk to that person for a while. Um, and somehow she knew it was written by a trombone player. <laughs> like after, after we finished playing it, she's like, I'll bet that was a trombone player who wrote that chart. Um, and I'm, I'm not really sure why, but we all just sort of found that funny. And, you know, you're a trombone player and writer. There are, like, so many trombone players who consider themselves composers and arrangers, too. And, it's funny the way that works out. Um, but yeah, I, I, I remember her just being really, really positive about it. I think uh, one of the things that helped me that she mentioned about that and some other things I, I showed her that week was like not trying to put everything that I knew into the chart, but like letting the music lead me to the next event. You know what I mean? It, like, I remember that, that chart in particular, a big band chart that she heard was like full, just full of stuff, like really active, really, uh, you know, almost too much going on. Like it needed to have half as much stuff in it. Um, and I've tried to get better and better about that, just editing myself and, um, 
you know, making sure things are, are musical and I'm not just including uh, things because it's it's something, you know, just because it works doesn't mean it needs to be in there, you know. So yeah, that was, no, it was helpful for me to hear that from her. Yeah, I imagine. I feel like that's a recurring thing for me as well. Like, oh, does that really need to be there? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, that's great. So Maria was an early influence. And then from there, it's kind of how we met. How did you end up at Eastman from there? Yeah, so I I did my uh, my degrees in uh, composition and arranging, or sorry, like composition and theory at Northern Iowa and uh, a bachelor's degree in music education with a jazz emphasis. So I was student teaching in the, the spring of my last semester there. And that was also the time that I was applying to these uh, master's programs and stuff. Um, and I had a handful of programs that I was interested in just from talking to, to people who had recently gone through their masters and talking to teachers of mine and stuff like that. Um, and it really seemed to me that, that Eastman was going to be the best choice for me, um, especially since I had decided I was, I was going to focus on the writing aspect um, because of the strong writing program there and Bill Dobbins um, and the history there with Ray Wright. Uh, it turned out to be really, really great for me. Met some incredible people uh, who I still make music with today and keep in touch with. Um, and Bill Dobbins is uh, just a really brilliant musical mind. And having a couple years to work with him and pick his brain, uh, I think was was incredible. You know, I I got so much out of my lessons with him. And having him look at my music and uh, him pointing me to certain scores or recordings that that really helped helped me learn. Yeah, I, I, you know, he's just a genius, a genius guy. You know, he knows so much information. Um, yeah. If you could think back on that time, kind of with Bill, um, is there anything that sticks out to you? Like again, like as a writer, as a young writer, like advice that he gave to you that just kind of stuck with you? Yeah, there's one big one that, that I keep uh, returning to or kind of hearing hearing his voice as I'm <laughs> working on something um, is he was big on development. Like, uh, it's not enough to just reuse an idea, you know, instead of just simple repetition of something, how can you, how can you develop it? How can you reuse that material but in a different and interesting way. Um, I remember something that I brought in that went back to this the same theme a few times, but the theme was always kind of just there in its uh, initial form. Um, and he helped me explore some different ways to keep returning to that, but but really like taking it in a different direction. Um, so that's something I, I always try to keep in mind now is like how to have a sense of unity and a peace and economy of means, but keep it interesting and and make sure that it develops. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, so from Eastman, how long were you in Rochester for? I was just there two years. It seems like it flew by. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was just there for the master's degree and then I uh, I started teaching high school that next year, 
You know, oh, wow. so there was that, I went straight from undergrad to master's, and then there was kind of that panic in my last semester of my master's, like, okay, you know, what happens now? I actually have to, like, get a job or do something. Um, and I remember just calling, like, a bunch of people, uh, mostly folks in Iowa, because that's where, you know, where I had the most connections and stuff. So I, I was calling people, kind of let them know that I was looking and see what might be out there. You know, I was also just poking around online and applying for stuff too, but um, one of the people, you know, quite a ways down my list, um, where I eventually, I just called up at the right time, as it turned out, um, was a friend of mine from the University of Northern Iowa, this guy Danny Kleinheim, a trumpet player, um, and he was teaching band in Waterloo, Iowa, and when I called him and told him I was looking for something, it was like, I think it was like either the day before or the day I called him, his uh, co-band director had told him that he was uh, leaving the job for a different high school. So there was this opening there, um, and, you know, I had my music ed degree, and I was certified to teach in Iowa still, and um, this worked out really well because Danny is kind of like a marching band guy, and I'm very much not that, <laughs> and uh, he needed somebody who could do the jazz bands, and so we balanced each other pretty well, and um, and that turned out to be a, a good a good experience. So what all exactly were you doing in that position? Just the jazz yeah, band? Yeah, so I was, no, I was teaching, uh, I was directing a concert band, which was pretty new for me. I mean, you know, I had the, the training for my undergraduate degree, um, but not a lot of practical experience, like, conducting in front of a group and things like that, um, which was maybe, like, my biggest insecurity about it was just, like, the, you know, the physical aspect of conducting, you know, and trying to communicate what I want musically just through gestures. I think I, I got better at it as it went, but, uh, um, but that was really fun as it turned out, you know, conducting this concert. And I had 11th and 12th graders in that group. Um, and then I directed two jazz bands. Um, and assisted with, with all of the other stuff in the band program. Um, I taught a music theory class. And then I started a jazz improvisation class. Um, it was something I, I went to the principal with fairly early on. You know, wrote a curriculum and a, a proposal and um, thinking that maybe I could get it on, you know, for the next year or the year after or something. I know those things sometimes take time, but she was super into it and said I should go ahead and try to start it in the spring of that first year. So that was that was really fun, and kind of good to work with a small group of students who were interested in digging into improvisation a little more deeply. We would work on improvisation in the large group setting and the um, with the jazz bands especially, but it was nice to have a dedicated class for that. Yeah, that's amazing. So how did you, so yeah. what kind of led you to, you know, move on from the high school teaching and go back to school again? Yeah, well, I think I always, uh, the goal for me, I, I've always sort of saw myself um, at the college level just because of, I think, the opportunities it affords to continue to be an artist and, you know, like the high school thing was great and I loved working with students and but I just, I couldn't really see myself doing that long term because, 
was difficult to to still do my own projects and um, not that college teaching isn't busy, it certainly is, but um, you know, if you're at a, a good enough program, um, it could be fun to even write for the band that you have there and you know, there might be a group that plays at a pretty high level. Um, and you've got colleagues you can make music with and you know, so that that was sort of always always the goal for me. because uh, I love teaching, but I also want to continue as a as a composer and a player. Um, yeah, so decided to, to start on the doctorate after a couple of years of, of high school teaching. I've got one more year right now. Yeah, so you're you're at the University of Northern Colorado, right? Yep. And that's in Greeley? Yep. What uh so how's that experience been for you being there? It's been really good out here. I mean Colorado is super nice. And my wife and I have, have really liked living here. Uh, just in terms of the weather and like the people. Um, it's been good. And we're about like an hour from Denver, an hour drive. Um mm-hmm. which is nice. So I, I get down there a lot and, and get to play there and, and hear people come through. I've got a couple of jazz clubs there. I'm also pretty close to Fort Collins where I play pretty often. Um and there's a good bit going on actually in Greeley considering the size of the town. Just uh because there's a, a big jazz program at UNC. Um, mm-hmm. so it's been good. Um met a lot of a lot of good people, good musicians and and gotten some nice teaching experiences directing a big band here in combo and uh, getting to teach some jazz composition lessons this last semester, actually. Oh, nice. So is that part of like a TA kind of situation or just? Yeah, exactly. Cool. So I guess that kind of leads us up to the formation of this ba- this new band and kind of making the album and all, and all of that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the orchestra and the album? Yeah. So the All Angles Orchestra is uh mainly well it is entirely Colorado people. Um folks I met at the University of Northern Colorado or uh musicians in the area. And uh it's it's a different instrumentation uh than we're used to hearing, um, especially for a large ensemble kind of setting. There's fifteen musicians, we've got a group of string players, a group of woodland players um, a few brass players and a rhythm section with percussion. So as a as a composer, I was uh, looking for something other than a big band. I, lo- I love writing for big band. I love playing in big band. Um, but I felt myself sort of starting to get in a comfort zone with that, I guess. Um, or you know, writing things like that instrumentation would would lead me in certain directions. Uh, and I, I didn't want that so much. I wanted something new that would, that would push me, um, away from what I was getting comfortable with, I guess. So by giving myself this, this mixed instrumentation, uh, it was a way to do that and also a way to incorporate elements of like 20th century classical music that I really love and, um, other music to, to kind of uh, get some of those influences in there, I guess. Yeah, and so I think you guys mentioned 
or I saw somewhere that you mentioned like Michael Brecker's Quindectet as like kind of an influence to this group. Yeah, that would be like in terms of the instrumentation, that's that's basically where we took it. You know, I love that album and um I think it works works really well when you've got um kind of a few of each instrument family that you can you know, they can exist on their own as like a, a little woodland section doing something or the string quartet doing something, but also all these opportunities for combining them in, in interesting ways. Um, and yeah, I love the music on that, that wide angles record and Bill Goldstein's arrangements. So that was a, a big source of inspiration and a good, um, starting point for as I was starting to put music together for the group to have kind of this, um, aural example of stuff that works and things to draw from in the early stages. Yeah, I, I love that record too. And the, have you seen the um, YouTube videos of like some of the live stuff from Japan of that band? Yeah. Yeah, it's really amazing. And yeah, it's really like free intros uh, to the tunes. You know, they've got these, uh, like even the string players and woodland players and stuff um, are really comfortable improvising. It's cool to see that, you know, you, you don't get a sense of that on, on the studio album. But yeah, in those videos, it's cool to see the way that they're able to do that stuff. So how does that compare to, you know, your orchestra? Do you guys have improvisers on in the other sections, the non-jazz section? It's kind of a mix. Um, one of our violinists is, is really comfortable as an improviser, um, and she does a bit of singing as well. Her dad is a jazz guitarist. Uh, I think teaches at Bowling Green. Um, so she's got a bit of a background there. Our, our flute player is, uh, you know, an amazing solo player and orchestral player. Um, but he's got a bit of a jazz background from his masters, um, and did some improvisation there. Uh, so we've got a little bit of that. And then obviously all the rhythm section players are, are jazz guys. A couple of the brass players are, are jazz people, but there are a couple of people who, uh, this is like really new for them, which is kind of cool to see, um, you know, like the, the first couple of rehearsals when we would get to a section with a lot of improvisation, you know, just kind of seeing their, their reaction to that and sort of like, what's going on, you know? Right. Um, and, and they've gotten more and more comfortable with that. I think like having these people in the group from different musical backgrounds has really, has been awesome. And, and good for everybody, you know, to get these, uh, I don't know, different sides of, of music making kind of coming together. Yeah, totally. And so I also know that you guys have a bunch of concerts coming up to kind of support the, the release of the record. So where are you guys going and, and what's happening? Yeah, we're doing our album, uh, release concert at uh, the Moxie Theater in Greeley. Uh, so we'll get some some hometown people out for that. And uh, that's on June 27th, Tuesday night. And then we're leaving the next day, um, heading east to the Midwest and we're stopping in Lincoln, Nebraska, Des Moines, Iowa, Davenport, Iowa, which is uh, Quad Cities where I grew up. Then we're going to Chicago, St. Louis, and Kansas City. 
Nice. So um, are you guys taking the whole band or are you picking up some players along the way? How does that happen? Yeah, it's uh, everybody's coming along, which is pretty oh. crazy. And, That's and awesome. Great. Yeah. Um, it was uh, started planning this a while back. Or I had this idea um, thinking that, you know, the summer would be the, the time to do it, um, especially since, you know, the group is um, – mostly people who are still students um and i'm thinking if we're going to do this recording it'd be nice to to kind of do some live performances and, and get the record out there that way um and so initially i i thought about there's this great festival in iowa city the iowa city jazz festival and colossus played there and i played there with a number of small groups over the years so i thought maybe trying to build it around that um would work well so that's that's why i sort of picked um this this time in terms of the dates. Um, funny enough that it didn't work out for us to get a slot on that festival, but we're we're still going through that area at the same time. Um, so we'll get to hang out in Iowa City for a day at the festival. And we just kind of built other things around that. Um, yeah, and it, it started to, to come together, um, I guess, in the fall of this year. And I'm I'm even just now kind of wrapping up the details of planning and mainly trying to find places for us to stay and all that stuff and, and trying to promote the concerts and get people out. So it sounds like it's pretty much just just you making it happen, is that right? Yeah, essentially I'm I'm on my own as far as the the tour planning goes, which man, as it turns out, is like a big job. <laughs> like yeah. I know you've done tours and and you know how that goes. Um, I've only ever done small, you know, short, like a few dates with like a quartet or a smaller group. Um, so just having the, this number of people is the main challenge. Um, you know, we've got a couple of 15 passenger vans. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> figuring out where everyone's going to sleep um, and all of that, where we're going to eat. Just the little details. Um, we got to borrow like a vibraphone everywhere we go. <laughs> you can't quite see that in the vehicle. Um, so yeah, it feels like a full-time job just just planning the tour basically. And I I don't know how people do this. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why tours are usually few and far between for for us without uh, without management and and tour support yeah. and all that. But that's amazing, man. It's great that you're, you know, pushing through and make just making it happen. Because I don't think there's any other way these days than to just kind of make it happen yourself. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think it'll be. I mean, I think it'll be a great experience. It'll be worth the worth the work. Yeah, I'm sure it will. It'll it'll be great for the band to play a lot and get the music out there. So. Yeah. I think I meant, I kind of glossed over a very important aspect of this. You guys have a, a really great guest artist on this on this album. Yeah. So he's he's not uh touring with us, but we got to play with him on a concert um back in November of two thousand sixteen. Um and he was so into the project um he wanted to come back and record with us. So this guy's Alex Sipiagin, um great trumpet player from Russia initially, which has been in New York for uh, like 20 or 30 years. Um, 
And it's especially exciting because he was on that Michael Brecker album. He was in that quintet um, that we were talking about earlier on the Wide Angles record and, and um, you know, in those those videos from the live shows in Tokyo. Um, so it's great to get his, his perspective, you know, with this kind of group because um, he had all that experience. And right. he, he knows, you know, he knows how it works. He knows the sound of the group. And, man, he sounds so good on, on the music. <laughs> it was really, mm-hmm. really a treat to have him. And he's a super nice guy. Um, very, very into what we were doing. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you guys have any plans to reconnect with him and try to do some more? Uh, nothing like that right now, but man, it would be great. And, and he mentioned he'd like to continue trying to do things with the group and talk about festivals next summer, things like that. Um, so it's, it's awesome that he's, uh, you know, that he's into it. That's always the, the fear, fear, uh, working with a pro like that, that, you know, they'll come in and do it, but they're kind of like, you know, maybe not um, super invested in it or anything. So it's, it's encouraging that he likes the music and that he wants to, to do more. Um, yeah, yeah, he's awesome. on, on three tracks on the album as a soloist. Um, the first track, New Angle, is just kind of like wide open for him to, him to explore. Um, and then a piece by Tom Amend, who's the piano player in the group, a great composer. And that, that closes the record. It's called Uncommon Valor. Uh, that one turned out really awesome. <laughs> and it's, it's Alex on trumpet and Matt Landon, our guitarist, who's kind of featured throughout the album. And, uh, then this arrangement of what is this thing called love that I did. That's the one tune on the album that's not an original. Um, that was one of the first ones that I wrote for the group and one that really drew on some of the stuff from wide angles. Uh, there's this really cool woodwind stuff that, uh, Gil Goldstein did on modus operandi. Uh, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's crazy. Maybe you know what I'm referring to. Uh, it kind of goes back and forth with the, there's Robin Eubanks trombone solo and then like this crazy woodwind. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The flute and the bass clarinet are just playing like these eight notes, you know, and then it goes back to the trombone solo and then interjects again with the, like this babbling woodland awesomeness. So I, I kind of borrowed that idea for, uh, this section of the arrangement where it goes back and forth between the string players playing the verse of the tune and then the woodland players playing this angular stuff in this sort of like argument back and forth type thing. Um, so that was fun to, to experiment with using that texture that I enjoyed so much on, on that album. Yeah, you know, have you ever checked out, um, there's a Miguel Zinon record that has a woodwind quintet on there too? No, I don't think I have. Yeah, this is great. Uh, it's not his most recent record. It's, uh, I think it's the one before. It's called Alma Aldentro, I think is what it's called. And they, he does like all, it's all Puerto Rican folk music, but it's for his quartet plus a woodwind quintet, and it's like pretty epic. <laughs> yeah, I bet man, I love love his music. Yeah, that's that's a really nice uh, 
you know, expanded instrumentation kind of thing. But yeah. so uh seems like there's lots going on. So kind of what's next after this? You're going to hit the tour hard and then what's next for you? You got other projects happening, uh, one more year of school. What else is going on? Yeah, I mean, the big thing is is wrapping up the degree for me right now. So I got to write a dissertation and do all that stuff. So I'm uh, I'm committed to being done at the end of the spring. So I'm that's gonna kind of take a front seat for me is like making sure I get the school stuff wrapped up. Um, but want to continue doing things with all angles group, obviously. Um, and I've got a couple of uh, large, even larger ensemble. Uh, writing projects that will be exciting. This, this uh, someone professor from the University of Northern Iowa, Anthony Williams, is having me write kind of a concerto for him to play with the wind ensemble there. Um, nice. That's going to be like a jazz trombone concerto. Um, so we'll have elements of improvisation in his part, but we'll have the you know the wind ensemble as the, the sort of orchestra. Uh, so that's I am started that yet but I've, I've got some ideas going and really excited to I'm I'm going to get to see Anthony next week and play with him because um, I'm teaching at the University of Northern Iowa Jazz Camp and he'll be there also so it'll be nice to get to reconnect with him and like hear him play and I think that'll that'll really jumpstart some ideas for me you know hearing his sound again like in person and um, I'm, I'm pumped to get started on that piece for sure nice that'll be awesome I can't I can't wait to uh, see what that turns out to be. So, um, what, yeah, what's your you? I'm, I'm a little unsure. I've never done anything like that before, but it'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it'll be great. So, I, what are you doing your dissertation on? So it's going to be centered around uh, that piece, actually. Oh, cool. So, yeah, um, my my research advisor is David Caffey, who's my my composition teacher here at UNC, um, and yeah, for his students who are doing the, the doctorate, um, he likes to try to make sure that their compositions are at the center of of their dissertation, you know, so their writing really is their, is their research and is their work, and then, you know, I'll, I'll basically present an analysis of the piece and write about influences and things like that um but first i have to write the piece that's <laughs> that's yeah, kind of sure. the, the main thing and then i've got to write all the the prose that that surrounds that um it can be a little tricky to make it fit the the format that the graduate school needs and things like that so um that's what i'm going to be exploring coming up here is uh you know all the nitty gritty of of that. Gotcha. And what's uh what's next after school? What is like what's your kind of work vision for where you're headed? Well, I'm gonna be applying for for jobs next year, um, for college teaching jobs, uh, and continuing to write and play. Um, yeah, it's a little it's a little up in the air right now. It's, it'll be exciting to see where we end up next year It kind of depend on, on uh, whether I'm able to land something, you know, it's possible that we'll, we'll be out here in Colorado still or um, back in the Midwest. We're really kind of like 
open to moving where we need to, uh, depending on on what I'm able to get in terms of uh, a job. Right, right. But yeah, it's a little scary, but exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, man, thanks so much for chatting today. Is there anything else that you wanted to let people know about? Um, well, I, just because it's on my mind, this morning uh, I got Dave Chisholm's book in the mail, oh, nice. so that's exciting. I know he's another outside-in guy, and I played on that album with Dave, and I just I think that's uh, such a cool project. So I'm I'm super excited. Like just before this interview, I opened up the box and, and got the book out. It looks awesome. So I'm, I'm just excited to dig into that and want to, to let as many people as I can know about it. Yeah, it's a super cool project. I I gotta get myself one of those books. I still haven't seen the actual comic book, but. Uh, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. It looks good. Yeah. So where can people kind of find you guys and connect with you online? Yeah, we've got a, a Facebook page, um, just All Angles Orchestra, some live recordings up on a Bandcamp page. Uh, same thing. is either All Angles Orchestra slash Bandcamp or the other way around, however that works. Um the album is obviously going to be available through Outside In Music. The release date is June 23rd. Uh, it will not be streaming anywhere. Um, so you can get it through Outside In or through my website, which is mconradmusic.com, or through iTunes and Amazon, I believe, right? Are the platforms. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, check us out on I, Facebook would be a good place to go. We've got uh, some videos up there. We've got this nice promo for the tour and for the album. Um, and in a few days here, I'm going to post a music video of the second track on the album, The Blues, which is uh, <laughs> features this uh, mute made with a toilet plunger and, uh, and four kazoos sticking out of it. So that's a, a fun one. <laughs> I don't know. Have I showed you that before? I don't think so. Yeah, it's it's a little fun. You know, I, if you hold it up against the bell, you, most of the air goes through the kazoos. There's also like a hole in the usual spot um, that lets some air out, but it, it produces a fun, like, fuzzy, raspy sound. So I wrote a tune to kind of feature that, that sound. Um and yeah, we we shot some footage in the studio, and a friend of mine had some fun editing it and doing like all this uh, wacky stuff with like the color of it, you know, different like shades of blue as it goes. So it's fun. Nice, awesome, man. Well, um, thanks again so much for for talking. Yeah, thank you. That's Mike Conrad, trombonist, composer arranger, band leader, and band leader specifically of the All Angles Orchestra group out of Greeley, Colorado at the University of Northern Colorado. And their new album, New Angle, is out on June 23rd here on Outside in Music. You should check it out. And uh, it'll be available shortly after that on Amazon and all of the other places you'd like to buy CDs. You know, we did mention that Alex Sibiagin is featured on this album of fantastic, amazing trumpet 
soloist. So if you like Alex, if you like Michael Brecker's Quindectet, this is one you're definitely going to want to pick up. So thanks for your time and thanks for listening, and we'll see you real soon.